Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, Genesis 39, verse 7. Here we go. Lord, we thank you that you haven't just only given us your word, but you also have given us your spirit to teach us. And that is what we need right now, Lord. So we're praying for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Genesis chapter 39, verse 7. Okay, so here it says, And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, Lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master woulda not what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass, as she spake to Joseph, day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of the house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with him and fled and got him out. And she laid up his garment by her until his Lord came home. And she spake unto him according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant which thou hast brought unto us came in unto me to mock me, and it came to pass as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me and fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, which she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did thy servant to me, that his wrath was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. Now, we come to verse 11 here, and where it starts off, and it says, It came to pass about that time, about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business, and there was none of the men there within. Now, when we read words like this, you know, it came to pass about this time. You know, from the English, when that comes over, we just, when we read those words, we're just tempted to pass over them and say, okay, that's the same as and, you know, or and, you know, this is what happened. But the way verse 11 reads in Hebrew is much more striking because what it's saying here, vayhi chayom, it's saying, it became, it's the word hayah, it became 
Yom Hayom, on this day. It became on this day. So it became on this day. That's more striking because what it's really saying here is that this became a very important day in Joseph's life. This is going to be a very important day when Joseph's life with God is threatened. And there comes a day, there comes these days when a person hears the voice of God, and that day becomes a very important day in his life when he has to make a decision. He's going to soften his heart toward God, and he's going to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, or he's going to harden up. He's going to resist and harden up. That's what David was saying in Psalm 95, verse 7, Psalm 95, verse 7, where David said, he is our God, we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the temptation in the wilderness. I'm amazed at how lost people who come here in other churches, they hear the gospel so clearly presented and they just harden up. They harden up and you can almost see it as they say, I'll tell you what, I'm not gonna allow myself to get into this emotional ride. I'm not gonna allow myself to be moved by any message. I don't care if it's God's message. I resist. And they go out. Or you could say what the Bible calls them instead of go out, you say they draw back. They recoil back. They draw back. And that's the word that's used in Hebrews 10.38. Hebrews 10.38, when it says, the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. And then we're told in the next verse how serious this drawing back is, because it's not just a draw back to walk out the door, but it says, but we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. So the Bible doesn't call this non-responsiveness just drawing back. It calls it draw back unto perdition. Now, when it says here in this verse, it became on this day, it means that this day was a day of decision for Joseph. This is gonna be the day when Joseph is gonna have to make one of the most important decisions in his life. Is he gonna yield to this pleasure that's being proposed to him, or is he gonna run for his life? And there came a time when Israel was lingering or wavering between going on with the Lord and Joshua, he had had enough. And so he announced that this is gonna be the day of decision in Joshua 24, 15, Joshua 24, 15, when it says, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That was a day of decision for Israel. Though when it goes, we're thinking more about this phrase there that's used, that it became on this day. It means that this was a day of really a make or break for Joseph. This is gonna be the make or break for Joseph. It's gonna determine his whole future, if he has a future with God or not. And there was a day when the Lord Jesus Christ was teaching in the synagogue and he was teaching on dwelling in him and talking about some very hard sayings and it shocked his listeners. And this is what happened in John 6, 64, John 6, 64, where it says, but there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew that from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto my father. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the 12, 
will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. So here's this group, and they were all listening, and they didn't understand what he was saying about dwelling in him. So many turned away from him, but not the 12. And that was a day that was a make or break for those listening to him. It became on this day. It became on this day means that this was a day certainly of just this unexpected surprise, which is what happened at Joseph. And this is a day that's gonna be the unexpected surprise, one of them. He has a lot of unexpected surprises in his life, but he's gonna find himself in the crosshairs of Potiphar's wife. So what it teaches us, it became on this day, is Proverbs 27.1, which says, boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Joseph was as surprised at what happened as the rich man was who had amassed this tremendous fortune in his life because his ground really brought forth abundantly. And he thought, this rich man thought, I have finally enough. I finally have arrived. I have enough. I can take it easy. I can live off my fortunes. I am on easy street. I have no worries. But there was a tremendous disconnect between what this rich man was thinking and what God was thinking, as it says in, in Luke 12, 16. Luke 12, 16. The ground of a certain man, a certain rich man, brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room to where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I'll pull down my barns, build greater. There will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. So that was what he was thinking. But God said, this is what God was thinking, but God said unto him, thou fool, this night, Thy soul shall be required of thee. Whose, then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So here's a rich man, and because of him being able to amass this great riches, he secretly thinks that he has many years to live. But God has a different thought, and which was that he has already lived his last day on earth, and that very night he's gonna die and face judgment. How could there be this great disconnect between the thoughts between this man and God? The man thought he had many years, God thought he only has this one day. I mean, just imagine that day and what an unexpected surprise for that rich man was when he actually died. That's why the Bible guides us in our thinking to not have thoughts like this rich man, but to live every day as if it was our last day of opportunity on earth to serve God. We should wake up every day and say, oh, God has given me another opportunity. This now I have one more opportunity. This is gonna be my last opportunity today to serve God on earth. Because what the Bible is guides us to think about when we think about our lives, the Bible tells us to think of a word. When you think about your life, Think about one word, and that word is vapor, vapor. Because the Bible teaches us to think about your life as unstable as a vapor. That's what James 4.13 says, James 4.13. Go to now, 
Ye that say, today or tomorrow we will go into such a city, continue there for a year, buy and sell, get great gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this and do that. So our lives are as stable as a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. And we're directed to think about, before we say it, if the Lord will. It's very easy to just say that and not even think about it. Oh, if the Lord willing, the Lord willing, Lord willing, Lord willing. But to really think about it, if the Lord will, we shall live. And then to say that. So this is all, when it says, and it became on this day, it means that this is gonna become a day that Joseph is never gonna forget. Neither are we, because we're reading it right now. Now, we read in verse 11 about Joseph where it says, Joseph went into the house to do his business. Now, when it says that Joseph was going into the house to do his business, that's really giving us a picture of Joseph. I mean, he's focused on his house. He's not looking for sin, but sin's looking for him. <laughs> and sin found him, you know. And that's the way sin works with us. We're not going to be looking for sin, but sin's looking for us. And when we're just going about to do our own business. Now, these two statements, there's two wonderful statements here in verse 11 that paint a beautiful picture for us of Joseph when it says, Joseph went into the house to do his business. And then it says, there was none of the men of the house there within. Now, why is that beautiful? Because he's not even aware that there's no man in the house there, which, of course, he would have been taking as precaution. But this is a perfect picture of Joseph. Joseph is going about to do his business, and he's unaware of who's around him or who's not around him because Joseph is a dreamer type of person. And that means that Joseph had this incredible ability to live in another world. <laughs> he had this tremendous capacity because of the type of person he was, he had this tremendous capacity to just shut out everything around him and really to drill down with a fierce focus on what he had to do. And that's the picture we have here of Joseph. When it says that Joseph went into the house to do his business, that says so much about Joseph. I mean, Joseph has this tremendous loyalty to others. I mean, he had been the object of betrayal by his brothers, and he would rather die than to betray or be unfaithful or to be not trustworthy. I mean, if you want a faithful friend, you choose Joseph. You couldn't have a more faithful friend than Joseph. Nowhere in Joseph's life do we ever see him slandering or accusing or condemning anybody except when he did it to his own brothers to bring them to repentance. But even when he did that, Joseph was being faithful. He was a faithful friend, as it says in Proverbs 27, 6. Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. As a matter of fact, for Joseph, the word is friend. It's a very special word for Joseph. He greatly valued friendship. And when he was wounding his brothers, it was the wounds of a faithful friend. And you are a very fortunate person if you had Joseph to be your friend. You couldn't have a more faithful friend than Joseph. 
And like I said, we never see Joseph slandering another person. What's going to be remarkable for us, because in this case, Joseph is going to refuse to slander Potiphar's wife or to defend himself. He'd rather be imprisoned than to slander the wife of his friend, Potiphar, because Potiphar was his friend. Now, even when Joseph is going to be falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, and he'll be just like the Lord Jesus Christ, who also was falsely accused, and he refused, the Lord Jesus refused to defend himself, as it says in Psalm 38, 13, Psalm 38, 13. But I, as a deaf man, heard not, and I, as a dumb man, opened not his mouth. And then we get this real focus on the Lord Jesus in Isaiah 53, 7, Isaiah 53, 7, where it says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. You couldn't have a better friend than Joseph, and you couldn't have a more faithful person to serve you than Joseph. So notice in verse 11 how it says, Joseph went into the house to do his business. It says he went into the house to do his business. That's what it says. It's actually Potiphar's business. He was working for Potiphar. And the verse could have very well have read, Joseph went into the house to do Potiphar's business because that's what he was doing. But he was in charge of Potiphar's business. And so it's really telling us something in verse 11 when it says, Joseph went into the house to do his business. What it's telling us is that Potiphar's business had become Joseph's business. Joseph had become so married to Potiphar's business that it became his business. And Potiphar knew that, and Potiphar was totally at ease, because he saw this, with Joseph running his whole household from the house to the fields, because Joseph treated Potiphar's business as if it was his own business. The most faithful team members that we have at Scanabody's Laboratory are the ones who treat the property of Scanabody's Lab as if it was their own property. Whether it's in purchasing, when they're negotiating, when they're negotiating for some company equipment or supplies, and it's like they're negotiating for themselves on a car lot to buy their own car. Or whether it's in manufacturing and they're preventing waste, then they're doing that like they would be at home to try to prevent their food from spoiling. This is Joseph. Joseph is this type of person who is super reliable and diligent and faithful, and everyone sees that about him. So this is the picture that we see of Joseph in verse 11, totally preoccupied with doing his business. And that's just who Joseph was. Joseph was a dreamer. He had this tremendous capacity to completely focus on what he had to do, shut the world out around him. And this is what verse 11 is showing us. Joseph was totally preoccupied with his business. The last thing he was thinking about was Potiphar's wife and the threat that she represented to him. Well, you you could say he should have been, but that wasn't Joseph. I mean, Joseph had so much on his mind to take care of all the accounts and all the business in the house and in the fields, and he just didn't notice that there were no men in the house when he went in. So this wholehearted focus of Joseph in doing Potiphar's business, shutting out all the surroundings around him to do his business, this is what makes Joseph so charming to us. This is what makes us 
love Joseph so much because it's the beauty of this innocent, childlike spirit of not thinking that Potiphar's wife was laying in wait for him. And what we see of Joseph as being this totally oblivious to the evil around him is this beautiful innocence, and this is what we love about Joseph, and the Lord Jesus Christ had that same beautiful innocence, this sweet oblivion to the evil that was going on around him. And that's what God the Father calls out also and loves especially about his son, the Lord Jesus, as he speaks about him in Isaiah 42, 19. Isaiah 42, 19, God the Father said, who is blind but my servant or deaf as my messenger that I sent? Who is as blind as he that is perfect and blind as the Lord's servant? Seeing many things, but thou observest not. Opening the ears, but he hears not. The Lord is well pleased for his righteousness sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. So what is God doing there? God the Father do there is just saying, just look at how beautiful God the Son is. He's blind. He's blind to the evil around him. Look, he's doing his business of giving sight to other blind people. In the process, he's blind to the evil that's all around him. Just like Joseph went into the house to do his business, he was blind to Potiphar's wife in the absence of the other men in the house with him. And God the Father was saying, just look at how beautiful God the Son is. He's deaf to the wicked words around him. He's doing his business of causing other deaf people to hear again. And in the process, he's deaf to all the the evil language talk around him, just like Joseph went into the house to do his business and was choosing to not keep hearing Potiphar's wife's call, lie with me, lie with me. It's this sweet innocence. It's this childlike focus that we love about Joseph and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, clearly in verse 11, Joseph went into the house to do his business. There was none of the men in the house there with him. And I know what I'm talking about because I was reading this description about Joseph when Cheryl was pregnant with our second son, and I decided to name him Joseph because of this. And I told him why I named him Joseph. And my son Joseph has many of the characteristics of Joseph in the Bible. So from verse 11, Joseph is not aware that he is being watched, but he is being watched. He's being watched very carefully. Joseph was being watched just like the adulterous woman watched her prey in uh, Proverbs 6.26, Proverbs 6.26, where it says, for by means of a whorish woman, a man is brought to a piece of bread and the adulteress will hunt for the precious life. You know, I'm always amazed at Scott Ramo and how he hunts for, you know, I shouldn't say this, but anyway, I'm allergic to rabbits and I, this pesky wild rabbit that was in the backyard in any way. You know, whenever I would do what I did. And then the rabbit would laugh at me. <laughs> anyway, but, but not Scott. Scott, he sat there in the backyard. I mean, I watched him. He sat there on a little, little ottoman, and he sat there, and it was like he could have been a stone. <laughs> and, and he got the rabbit anyway. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages 
can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.